Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Hi, everyone. This is Laurie McDougall back on Coming Up for Air. I am sitting here with my podcast hosts, Dominique Simone Levine. Good morning, Dominique. Good morning, everyone. And Kayla Solomon. How are you doing, Kayla? I'm good. Good morning. Before we get started on our topic today, I was hoping maybe we could let our listeners know about a special that we're running on the Allies in Recovery website. So if you are a member, right now we're running a special that if you complete half of the modules in a 10-day period of time, you get a training, a $250 training for free. So all you have to do is complete half of the modules in a 10-day period of time and contact us. Let us know when you're done and you have the option to take a $250 five-hour training. So hope to see you there. Okay, ladies. So let's see. Kayla, can you introduce the topic for today? Today, our topic is radical acceptance. Our version of it, we shall say. (laughs) (laughs) Radical acceptance. If you look at what happens with the hardest part of dealing with a loved one with substance use disorder, and I just want to point out when we use the word SUD or SUD, it's substance use disorder, because we have moved from calling people addicts and describing the behavior instead. So basically, radical acceptance is not approval, but it's completely an accepting with your whole self what's actually happening with the things that we cannot change. So it goes to the serenity prayer, which is what can I change and what can I not change? And then if you can't change it, how do you deal with it? How do you accept what you can't change? Basically, this is possibly the hardest part of what what we're asking people to do with the craft model is to work on acceptance. Because truthfully, there's not a lot that we could do sometimes and we have to just be okay with what's going on. So in the big picture, when I think of acceptance, I think of craft as not accepting. Craft is I'm going to bend the environment around my loved one. I'm going to shift and influence my loved one towards getting abstinent and getting into recovery. That's everything I'm going to try to do. I'm going to be influential. I'm going to create the best circumstances for this person to make the decisions on their own, to want, to be motivated, to move forward in their recovery. There's a lot of little acceptances all the way in that, but in general, in the big picture, we're suggesting to you that there's a program of action, that if you take action, that you can create these kinds of changes around your loved one. You're creating a different kind of immediate environment. 
And we're telling you that 70% of the time it's going to work and your loved one is going to enter into some kind of service or program or healthy behavior, whatever it is you're requesting or wanting them to do. You're going to shepherd them towards that. And we know it's very effective program, the most effective program and the best studied. So we're on firm ground there. But the rest of the time, we have to accept that things are how they are and we have to put it down. And we have to return to ourselves and we have to continually do this radical behavior of neutralizing, not trying to do anything, but taking care of accepting the fact that this is the way it is right now. We don't have that influence. We have gone as far as we can and the rest is not in our hands. Therefore, we have to accept. And when, I, when we're talking, I think a lot of times when we first start training on craft, people say, well, wait a minute, Aren't you training us to get them to stop drinking? No, no, we're not doing that. We're training you to create the environment so that they will want to stop drinking. They will be motivated to take that first step out of addiction, right? That's the entirety of our effort. And the rest of it is in the hands of our loved ones. I love this topic. And I'm going to tell you this. I have struggled with radical acceptance. I still do to this day. I don't think I will ever get there. I don't think I will ever completely get there to radical acceptance. But I will tell you this. I agree with Dominique. I agree with what you're saying that we as family members and allies, we start off with this idea that we're kind of, we tend to be focused on the outcome right? We tend to, yeah, but it's going to stop them. It's going to, they're going to go into long-term recovery because I'm doing this. But I will tell you this over the years of having implemented craft in with my family and in my life is what helped bring me to radical acceptance. It really helped me to understand that, oh, I'm not really focused on the outcome. I'm not, this is not about that. This is about changing and me becoming a better person and accepting the things around me. And I'm much better at it, but I don't think I'll ever, ever completely get to radical acceptance because yeah, yeah. Cause every time something happens, I'm like, oh God, I know I don't have control over this and I really want control over this. But isn't that the case for everything that we talk about? There's no there there, okay? There's just this process that we engage in. So with radical acceptance, it's not like, oh, I woke up today and I'm the Dalai Lama. You know, I, I have to assume that the Dalai Lama still has stress. But what radical acceptance really focuses on is accepting the pain of the situation without making it into suffering. Because suffering is basically, to me, this, obsession about all the bad things. It's about trying to control things. It's about trying to make things right and coming up with the right answer and doing something to make this change. Because when we had a couple of weeks ago or months ago, we had the topic, you know, Dominique, you were saying that it takes like 12 weeks and this starts, this works. And I panicked when I heard that because I was like, oh my God, something happens, but what does it mean that things work? And to me, when I'm looking at craft, it's not that there's an end that happens. It's that you start to change the relationship. 
and that you start to engage in a different way. And what happens is in order to do radical acceptance, you have to calm your nervous system down. And I absolutely will tell you that if you want to negatively impact your loved one, be anxious, (laughs) be invested in everything that they do, be upset by all of their behavior. Like you want to watch somebody get turned away from you and rebel against you, be controlling, be negative, be critical, be bossy. And you will watch. And this is, I think we all start there. It's like, I have this brilliant advice. I'm going to help you. That earnest helping actually is some of the most damaging things that we do. So part of the acceptance is to be working with a process where it's a much slower process and you're working on more subtle things and you're not trying to make something happen. And you're meeting people where they're at. That to me is, that's radical acceptance. I just saw a meme the other day, something about whether you're using drugs or not using drugs, I will still love you. And that to me, that was an example of radical acceptance. And that was once I started to realize that about my son, oh, whether you're using or not using, I will always love you. And this radical acceptance of recognizing it as this is a battle he's fighting in his head. This isn't about me or him doing this to me or trying to rebel against my advice. This is a battle that he's fighting in his head, in his body. And that's why I don't have any control over it. And I have to have radical acceptance right here in this moment, which doesn't mean I don't fight it because I do. I still I still fight it. And the piece about it is, is that radical acceptance sounds like this toggle switch, but it's it's actually, as you're saying, much more nuanced, Kayla. And in the day, if my loved one is missing in action and I don't know, I'm sure he's using because this is the MO, it's accepting that and still doing your day and not driving yourself into this catastrophic state of negativity that paralyzes you. And it's so easy to go there. And maybe that's what happens during the day. You go there, but then you catch yourself and you pull yourself back to just simple radical acceptance, you know, and then you go back and you, and the suffering comes back in all that distortion. They're dead. They're in a gutter. Those are all distortions and weight that we're putting on what's happening. And I think to distinguish between what's happening and then everything else that we add to it. You know, they say pain is a natural piece of life, but struggling is optional. And if we pull ourselves down to struggle with it, we will find ourselves in a deep world of pain, much deeper than the actual actual circumstances may warrant. And I know there's reality and there's perception and there's history and there's vulnerabilities that we have that we bring to these moments when our loved ones are missing or in danger, but they're ours to manage. And to take responsibility for it. And part of radical acceptance requires a tremendous amount of work. Okay. This is not like, oh, I'm going to sit and be okay with everything. It's that part of the work is acknowledging the pain acknowledging the fear, acknowledging the anxiety. So you acknowledge it, but there's a difference between acknowledging it and feeding it, okay? So once you say, I feel scared, I feel pain, I'm uncomfortable, I'm terrified that something's gonna happen. That's one thing. But then what we wind up doing and the catastrophizing that you refer to is this horrendous story that we play in our head, 
which is usually involves some form of death. And so once we go to that story, we are not available to ourselves or anybody else in our life. And it sounds like it's justified because look, there's history and this happens all the time and something awful can happen. But if you can think about this as once you go to catastrophizing and stay there and feed it, you actually are the least effective self that you are gonna present. So if you do wanna be part of the solution, you need to be working with yourself to calm your system down. And what I see radical acceptance as is a tool to start calming your system down. It's one of many tools. And it's not a there, by the way, like Lori said, it's not that, oh, okay, I am now, nothing bothers me. Everything, it doesn't matter if he's lying in the street, I don't care. You know, he could be dead. That's not what we're talking about. It's a more living in the moment. So it might be, Right now, I don't know anything about what's going on, which is a true statement. I don't know if they're dead or alive. So if that's the case, you might as well not go to dead. You might as well just go, okay, it's quiet. Let's try to hold on to maybe everything's okay, as opposed to, oh, my God, I need to go scanning the streets and the police scanners so that I can find my loved one. You know, it's interesting because I think that was... That's actually the first experience I had with radical acceptance was coming to terms with. I remember it ha- it happened. He took off for a weekend, phone's gone or turned off. And I can't have any contact and I know exactly what's going on. And that's exactly what went on inside of my mind and maybe came out of my mouth because I talk about having an internal voice, but my internal voice seems to be on the outside. Um, and I tend to talk to myself, but that's exactly what went went on inside of my mind was, okay, he's dead, right? He's dead. I go straight, straight to the worst possible scenario, right? Oh, okay, he's dead. But then I, I started talking to myself and it was like, okay, yeah, but what impact will you have right now? Are you able to contact him? No. Do you have any idea where he is? No. Can you really call the police and try it? No. You can't do any of that. So what should you do? Well, I tell you what, why don't you just do everything you can to take care of yourself right here in the moment? And then if the police show up, then you're more than welcome to go ahead and drop to your knees and and fall apart. And to me, that is the radical acceptance. This is the situation that I'm in right now. What do I have control over? What don't I... The serenity prayer. What do I have control over? What don't I have control over? And just accepting that, accepting where I am right now, take care of myself and address it as it comes. I'll just address each thing as it comes to me. That's a really important tool. This week, I had somebody who's dealing with a very serious cancer say to me, how do I prepare for if I'm going to die? And I'm like, you can't. You can't prepare for if you're going to die. You just, there's no preparing for it. What I would say is get your affairs in order. Think about what you've always wanted to do and make sure that you don't say no to yourself for the things that you want. And also really live in the moment because that's what you've got. Because I really feel like the opposite of radical acceptance is this belief that we're going to prepare for the worst. That that's why we're we're so revved up because we need to be prepared because we have to prepare just in case something horrible happens. I don't believe in that. 
I know I've told you the story, but I used to be a massive worrier and I worried about all these things. And I worried about with minutia. It wasn't just, oh my God, what if that happens? I'd be like, okay, if that happens, then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And then I had plans for all of my worst case scenarios. And then I'm living my life with my worrying and this other set of horrible life changing circumstances happened that were not on my worry list at all. Nothing. Like, and everything. It's just like my life fell apart in one minute. Everything. Then you really get to awfulize. I didn't have a chance. No, but the thing about having your whole life fall apart is that you don't get a chance to awfulize because what do you have to do is take care of things. Right. So if you could have the trust in yourself to know that no matter how bad something is, you will be able to handle it, then that allows you to be more accepting of what feels unacceptable because- it's not that not accepting it makes it easier to deal with. It not it doesn't help. So in my thoughts are maybe I won't be able to handle the worst case scenario. But why do I have to try and not handle it right here in this moment when I don't even know if it's happened or not? Why don't I just wait and then I will not handle it in the future? Right? Those are my thoughts. The other thing that I think happens too with families is we bring the past into the present. What could have been? Oh, but I don't understand what such a wonderful life they could. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. You're here. You're now. It is what it is right now. What can you do right now, right here to make the situation better? And that's all you have. That's it. And for that, you go to module seven and you understand a little better what we're talking about, about distortions and pulling it down, the coulds, the shoulds, the nevers, the evers, you'll never, she'll always, you know, all all of that stuff that is really adds to the struggle, adds to this unnecessary struggle. But the other part is when this happens to you, you need a list of coping mechanisms. You need little ones, big ones. You need people to call. You need things to do. You need ways to think about it. You need readings. I don't care. You, you just start thinking about, all right, I feel terrible. So it's time to pull down a coping mechanism. Which one do I want? I don't want any of them. I just want to hurt. Okay, fine. Hurt for a little while, but then get back to the skill. <laughs> Like you did that night, your son didn't come home. You watched television because you knew that would distract you. Mm-hmm. You know, you you held the pillow all night. I mean, you did what you needed to do to get through that night and you got through that night. And I think we've kind of come to to the end of our conversation. So maybe Kayla, can you wrap it up? Wrap up radical acceptance. So radical acceptance basically is to know that whatever's happening is happening and much of it is out of your control. So it's like coming up with strategies to calm yourself down, to distract yourself, to soothe yourself, to get the support that you need so that you don't go into the catastrophizing model of what's the worst that's going to happen and how could I prepare for it? Or what do I do to prevent it? So the acceptance is about really looking at the things that you can control and then working on ways to let go of what you can't control so that you could have pain, you could have your feelings, but you're not increasing your agitation, your reactivity, and your suffering. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much, ladies. And we will be back again next week. Have a wonderful week. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. 
We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.